0: Welcome back to the program. While the origins of the quote are a bit sketchy, Harry Truman, frustrated by the problems he faced in the White House, was quoted as saying, if you need a friend in Washington, get a dog. Today the same might be said of our pets in general, or in the politically correct parlance, our companion animals, be they dogs or cats. With all the talk sometimes of the amount of money we spend on our pets, we easily lose sight of the real power of those relationships. Sometimes exalted, sometimes mocked. The fact is that in a society where alienation is common, where complexity often rules, where self-absorption defines a whole generation, those human-animal bonds can be transcendent. That's the personal story that my guest Lissa Warren writes about in The Good Luck Cat. Lissa Warren is the Vice President and Senior Director of Publicity and Acquiring Editor at DeCapo Press, and it is my pleasure to welcome her to the program to talk about her memoir, The Good Luck Cat, how a Cat Saved a Family and a Family Saved a Cat. Lisa, thanks so much for joining us.
1: It's lovely to be with you, Jess. Hi.
0: Great to have you here. Before you found Ting and brought him to your father, were you a cat fancier? Did you like cats? Did you have relationships with cats in the past?
1: I have always been a cat person. The first cat that was part of my family was a Burmese named Cinnamon. I had her from the time that I was five until the time that she died at the age of 19. Um, There's something about the animals that I just adore. I am taken with their looks, but even more importantly, I'm taken with their personalities.
0: What was it about Ting that was special?
1: Well, she's gorgeous. There's no saying she's not. Um, She is such a beautiful gray, almost like a pewter. Um, or almost like a a wet shark. I mean, it's just gorgeous, the color of her. She looks lavender, even, in certain light. Um, But we loved her personality. We loved her intelligence, her loyalty, and her ability to get into trouble. That's the thing about cats. They're the biker boyfriend of the animal world. (laughs) You know you shouldn't, but you can't help loving them. And she's a little devil, but we adore her.
0: And you originally got her for your father. Tell us about that.
1: I did. My father had had a quadruple bypass that didn't go terribly well. Three of the grafts did not take, and he had to take an early retirement because of that. My mother was still working at the time. I had just graduated from undergrad and was working crazy hours, so he was alone a lot. I rarely saw him during daylight hours, and he needed someone to keep him company and needed an animal. And we wanted a cat that would be able to sit with him and keep him company. And he had to leave a very, lead a very quiet life because of his health. Um, so he needed a cat who you know, could keep him having fun, but also just sit with him and let him pet her and um, let them be together.
0: And how did he feel about having a cat as a companion?
1: Oh, he loved her, too. He wanted it. He had loved Cinnamon, our first cat, just as much. Um, We'd had a dog, too, a Karen Terrier named Oregano. I don't know why we named so many of our (laughs) animals after Spices, but we did. Um, But he loved that cat. She would follow him from room to room. She's gray, but even if she weren't gray, she was his shadow. Um, He adored her. He would come into every room and look around to see if she was in it or look back to see her following up the stairs. Uh, his the best part of his day was being with her, always.
0: And the research is so definitive on this in terms of the impact that animals have and that our relationship with animals have in making us feel better, in in really getting us outside of ourselves. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Well, I think emotionally they make us feel better, and they help us to see that when there's, there's a little life that's depending on ours, we had better make sure that our ducks are in a row, you know, and and make sure that they are taken care of and make sure that they're provided for. So there is a, I would call it the gift of responsibility. You know, when you have to take care of them, it causes you to live your life accordingly. Um, But I think, too, you know, animals have... I don't want to say medicinal properties because that sounds way more woo-woo than (laughs) I actually am, but there have been studies, you know, a University of Minnesota Medical Center study showed that people who have cats have a 30% lower risk of dying of a heart attack or a stroke. There is something about them that seems to lower our blood pressure, that calms us, that makes us happy. Um, And so I think that the health benefits of cats are very real.
0: There's also the unrequited nature of their affection for us—that they look at us and they don't judge in the way that, that people do.
1: I think that's very true. You can kind of do no wrong with a cat so long as you are kind to it. Um, and my father needed that. You know, he, my mother and I are both people who uh, are a little neurotic at times and you know can nitpick a bit, and he just needed that unconditional love, and that's exactly what he got from King.
0: And tell us a little bit about the arc of of their relationship.
1: Well, at first, she was very, very lively around him. I mean, she would run across the room and (laughs) curl herself at him and sort of snag herself on whatever sweater he happened to be wearing. Um, So she was rambunctious at first, but as he grew older and grew sicker, she seemed to sense it, and she really did settle down and just spend time sitting in his lap or sitting on his chest. He used to put her inside his robe, and we would walk into the room and say, Dad, where's Ting? And her little head would pop out from underneath the collar of his robe. So that was the kind of relationship they had. They just spent gobs of time together, and she did seem to, to sense when he needed um, less fun and more just companionship.
0: And what's so interesting is that even when you were around, when your mother was around, it's always clear whose cat this is at that point. Oh,
1: no doubt. Yeah, that's so true. Um she liked my mother and I and, and even loved us. Um and still does. But boy, my dad was her darling. I remember um after my father passed away that we came home, my mother and I, and the cat came to the top of the stairs to look for my father. And then when she saw it was just my mother and I, she turned around and walked away. And I will always remember that, you know, it is very much, um, it shows how much she loved him and how devoted she was to him and how he was her favorite, flat out favorite.
0: And you would go on to more or less inherit the cat.
1: Yes, um, my mother and I now take care of her. I, mm-hmm. I have my own place and. In the Boston area, but my mom up in new hampshire we um, I go up there frequently and we take care of her together now um, and Ting needs care now she 's had some health issues of her own, and so my mother and I band together to take care of her.
0: Talk a little bit about her health issues because this is an issue that people go through with many times with animals that a condition comes along and it 's very serious and the question is how far do you go? What do you do? How do you intervene? And at what cost?
1: We think of her as a full-fledged family member. So we would do for her medically anything that was necessary, just like we would take care of each other in that way. Um, She was diagnosed with a very serious heart condition called second-degree AV block. It basically means that the electric currents that go from one side of your heart to the other to make it beat weren't getting through. And we were told that if she were going to survive because she was having fainting spells from which she might not wake up, um, we were told that if she was going to survive, she needed a pacemaker. And then we did more research and talked to more doctors, including a cat cardiologist. They actually have such things. (laughs) Who knew? And we were told that she needed a human pacemaker because they don't make pacemakers for cats or for dogs. So King is now the recipient of a human pacemaker that cost us $10,000 to have implanted in her, but um, there was never any question in our mind that we would do that for her because she needed it and we didn't want to lose her. She was diagnosed just a year after my dad died of a heart attack, and we were not going to lose another family member to a heart
0: condition. How difficult was it to find the proper medical care for her?
1: We were so fortunate. We have a wonderful vet at Bulger Animal Hospital. I'll give them a plug because yeah. they're a terrific place um, in Massachusetts, uh, right over the New Hampshire border. And that doctor who had cared for both of our cats over the years, we've known her for, gosh, 30, 40 years now, a long, long time, um, she recommended Angel Animal Medical Center to us, which is in the Boston area. They are state of the art. You walk into their lobby; it's as big, if not bigger, as any hospital lobby you would ever see. They are fully staffed. They have cardiologists, oncologists, pain management specialists, specialists which Ting had after her surgery to make sure that she was comfortable. Um, they have everything you could need: MRIs, CAT scans for cats. I mean, you name it, they have it. Um, So we were so fortunate there was a place like that, just a 45-minute drive away from where Ting lives.
0: And, of course, after she would go through all of this, you would have your own medical issues that it was important to have Ting there for you.
1: Yeah, she was a great comfort to me during that time. I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. I literally woke up one morning and my left leg was numb, and the next morning I woke up and my left arm was numb. Um, Cut to a few days later, and I was told that I had 10 lesions on my brain, and it is a progressive and incurable disease. Um, Coming out of the blue like it did, I had always been such a healthy person. Uh, It was devastating for me, I will be honest and say that, but um, just being able to put her on my lap and pet her and look at her and know that I needed to take care of myself as best I could because she needed me to take care of her that helped so much and does to this day. She is still such a comfort
0: to me. And coming back to the woo-woo part of it, to talk a little bit about the impact that you think that it's had on your health, on your well-being, just having her there.
1: There's no doubt to me that she is beneficial to my health. Um, I feel calmer when I'm with her and the medicine that I get when I have a flare with my multiple sclerosis, it's a very strong steroid and it revs you up. Um, the very first time I had it, I didn't sleep for a couple of days, um, but I found that by cuddling her and having her there beside me, it would help me to relax um, and would make it so that I was able to get the rest that I so very badly needed so that my body could start to heal itself.
0: How did this story, as you wrote it, as you started thinking more and more about the bond we have with animals and your bonds with Ting, how did it change or, or shape your views about our relationship with our pets?
1: One thing that is showing me is how much people love their pets. There's not a bookstore event that I've gone to where I haven't had people stand in line afterwards to come up and show me pictures of their cat <laughs> or pictures of their dog. I mean, I always knew people had pets, but I guess I've been going through life without an understanding of the utter devotion that so many people have for their animals. And when I know that a person has an animal whom they're passionate about, it makes me like that person ten times more. Um, Because you just know there is goodness in them. Um, And I think that through Ting and other animals that I've had in my life, I have seen what a difference an animal can make um, in making a person positive and happy. And I see that now in all the people that I'm meeting while I'm out there doing promotion for the book. They love their pets, and I like them so much better for it.
0: And and the other side of this is so interesting because if you are a pet person and you feel the way you do about the relationship with pets, when you run across people, even people that you like, that don't get it, that are not pet people, it's hard to understand what that's (laughs) about for them.
1: Yeah, uh, it really is. I mean, I I certainly know there are people who look at me and think, oh, my gosh, that crazy cat lady. But you know what? (laughs) I wear it proudly. You know, bring it on. Yes, that's what I am. That's who I am. Um, I honestly just feel bad for people when they don't understand it, when they haven't been raised with an animal in their house or they just haven't ever had a cat or a dog or a ferret or a bird or whatever that they have just fallen in love with. Um, to me, if you have lived your life without having a companion animal in it, you haven't fully lived your life. Um, so when people look at me and perhaps judge me a little bit for my fondness for my cat, I just kind of feel bad for them. I honestly do.
0: And what do you see as the fundamental difference between cat people and dog people?
1: I don't think there is a difference. Uh-huh. I truly don't. Um, Maybe people who like dogs are a little more active sometimes. They like to go out there and romp and frolic with them. Um, But to love an animal is to love an animal. And I haven't had a dog since I was seven years old, but I still get dog people. um, And I get dog people because of how much I love my cat. So I don't think there is that much of a difference.
0: Lisa Warren, the book is The Good Luck Cat. How a Cat Saved a Family and a Family Saved a Cat. Liz, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you, Jess. Thank you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.